The Parent-Teacher Conference Podcast is sponsored by FanSchool. Parents, are you finding it difficult to see your child's work since it's all digital? Teachers, are your digital assignments getting lost in the black hole of a digital folder? Can I suggest a solution? FanSchool. FanSchool is a safe and social learning network where students own and share their learning. Think of FanSchool as a digital bulletin board for your students' work. Take a look. Go to fan.school today. That is fan.school. And imagine what your classroom space will look like on FanSchool. Welcome to your parent-teacher conference, where a 24-7 parent and full-time teacher discusses issues and concerns from both points of view in an attempt to bridge the gap for the sake of kids. So relax, grab a coffee or other comfort drink, and let's talk about it. Hello and welcome to your parent-teacher conference. This is Coach Cullen, your host, and it's a very different parent-teacher conference today because I am recording this on my 25th wedding anniversary. And I played that clip from Rocky because it's so, on a base language level, explains a marriage. You know, what was going on there, if you didn't see Rocky, Pauly, who who is Rocky's girlfriend's older brother, is saying, I don't get the attraction between you and my sister. And Rocky just says what he says. He goes, "Um, it's gaps. She got gaps, I got gaps. Together, we fill gaps in each other, obviously. And that's a great, just a great thought about a marriage. So today we're going to be talking about that person in my life that fills gaps and hopefully inspires you to reach out to the person in your life that fills gaps. And if you like what you hear, I hope that you will share this with a friend, this podcast with a friend. You can, of course, retweet it if you saw it on Twitter. You can share it on Facebook or on Instagram. And if you want, like to reach out to me, maybe you want to tell me about the person who fills your gaps, please feel free to reach out to me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. P as in parent, T as in teacher, C as in conference, podcast 411 at gmail.com. Now, you know, before I met my wife, things just didn't click between girls and I. And I always wondered why. For You know, there would be some girls that I dated that I thought just fit me perfectly, filled those gaps. But I didn't fill their gaps. And on the other hand, there were some girls that I think thought I filled their gaps, but they didn't fill my gaps. My wife was the first one that I could truly say filled the gaps. And I don't think there were gaps that I necessarily saw. I've always said about, you know, I've always said I am not the most empathetic person. Like, I'm not a big hugger. I'm not a big, 
you know, I encourage it. Don't get me wrong. I encourage and I say good things, but I'm just not a big affectionate type guy. I just never have been. And although my wife doesn't expect that or understands that I show my affection in different ways, and I think that's the the gap filler that I needed there, is that she understood that I showed my affection in different ways. I've had to go out of my shell to show more affection to her because she's deserving of it. I still remember when I realized that we were just more than dating. It was our first argument and we were driving and we were going back and forth and it wasn't a fierce one. It was actually about um, thinking about marriage. I mean, we were, we were pretty serious. We were pretty serious for a few months and we just started talking about the marriage thing. We we're both in our mid to late 20s. So it made sense. And where I was older and I wanted to get married now, I didn't want to wait. She was still like, you know, we could wait a couple of years. And I remember snapping. I, I think I forget exactly what I said, but I guess whatever I said, I made it sound like if you don't get married quickly, what's the point of dating you? And I don't think I, that was my intention, but I guess that's how she heard it. Because I would, I, I, at that point, I wasn't saying that. I wouldn't have said that. And, um, you know, we would have worked it out. But I guess that's what the impression she was getting was. And she started to cry. I think on that point, it showed that she was truly falling in love with me. And she didn't want to do anything to jeopardize that. And I remember pulling my car over. And I go, what's the matter? What's the matter? She told me, and, and you know, it sounds like if, if we don't do things your way, you know, you're just going to break up with me. And I said, no, no. And I remember hugging her and holding her and saying, no, no. I go, that's not it at all. And the fact that I, I remember being upset that I made her cry. I didn't want to make her cry. I'm sure in the 25 years I've done things that have been frustrating to her, but I, I don't do it to frustrate her. But at that moment... For somebody who's not really affectionate to pull over his car, to give her a hug, tell her things will be all right, that we'll work things out, that I did love her, I realized that the words weren't just empty words. I really did love her. You know, a couple days ago on Twitter, somebody asked, can anybody still drive a stick shift? And I shared a story, which is true. On one of my first dates with my wife, I was driving around in my Jeep and I had a manual transmission and finally just turned to her and said do you know how to drive one of these things and she was like oh yeah my dad taught me how to drive on a stick shift and i thought that there i go there was definitely a keeper there and you're probably laughing and saying oh, why and the reason is this my dad loved cars growing up he was a mechanic his first job was working as a mechanic in a gas station he loved cars but after he married my mom, my mom refused to learn how to drive in a manual transmission. And since we weren't a very wealthy family, my father realized it was impractical for him to drive a manual and my mom to drive an automatic. Because if the automatic was in the shop, or for some reason or another my mom needed to drive my father's car, she couldn't. So for years, for 20, 
one twenty-two years, my father could not buy a manual, even though he loved driving them, until I got my driver's license. And he convinced me to get a car with a stick shift. And he had a car again. And I and I realized I was a ten you know, I I realized the fun and the love of driving a manual transmission. And it was just so nice to have a wife who could drive one. I could buy, I could do what my father didn't do. Now I'm not saying this is the reason why I married my wife, so I could I could drive a stick shift. If she if she couldn't have driven a stick shift, I still would have married her. Just like my dad felt that my mom was worth marrying despite the fact she refused to drive a manual transmission. There was something about her that filled his gaps, just like there was something about my wife that filled mine. But one of those gaps was driving a stick shift car, and she filled it. And there are other things, like the ability to spit, fart, and burp in front of her. I mean, it kind of sounds like trivial, not like I'm gross and that's all I do, but it was the idea that you didn't try to hold it in. Like, you're... You got a massive amount of gas, and you got to figure out a way to escape for a little bit because you don't want to let one loose. And, I mean, I I know this sounds gross. I really do. But I'll give you an example, and it's not that gross. So I remember taking a girl out to eat in college, and we were walking. It's during baseball season, so I'm used to spitting a lot. I played the outfield. I used to have a wad of sunflower seeds in my mouth, and I would constantly be spitting. It was just a habit. So we're walking into the restaurant, and we're talking, and I turned away from her. I did turn away, did not spit towards her, and I spit. Okay, so I didn't spit towards her. But I had my back to her as I, you know, I turned away, so I didn't see her. And as I spit, I realized what I had done. And I, I remember slowly turning my head towards her. And she looked shocked. Like, how could you do, do you think that would impress me? So, yeah, that didn't last. But that's what I mean. You, you are comfortable being yourself. I mean, I mean that was the whole, whole part of the dating game that I hated the most was I always seemed like I needed to be something I wasn't to impress the girl. I'm sure women on your side of it, you're doing the same thing. And I believe that my wife was the first person I dated that I was just myself. And she was just herself. And she said that. She said, early on in our relationship, she made a comment to the, the fact that it didn't seem like we had to play the game. We had to put on a false front. We could be ourselves. And that's another way my wife fills gaps for me. She appreciated that I was a teacher. Um, when I, I was already, we were both already working. She was actually finishing up prerequisites to get into medical school to become a physician assistant, and I was already a teacher. And she already valued teachers. That was a tremendous help. She knew I loved the profession. She knew that I was never going to be rich off the profession, but she loved me, and she loved the fact that I was spending time with children, educating children, and she knew that I put a lot of effort into that and a lot of work into that and she appreciated it she always would say you know it's not just because i'm dating a teacher but i've always felt that teachers should be paid more now if you're a teacher how can you not like a woman like that and because i loved her so much i wanted her to pursue her dreams i remember when we were dating she's from west virginia so when before we were married i would stay in her old room and she would stay in the guest room i remember one night i couldn't sleep 
and her yearbooks were out. So I opened up her senior year yearbook just to see what she was like in high school by reading the comments and the memories that her friends wrote in there for her. And I realized it was her dream since high school to become a doctor. Again and again, I would read how she was going to make a wonderful doctor that nobody had any doubts that she was going to pursue what she wanted in life. So as she finished up, we were married and for two years she worked as a nanny, finishing up prerequisites to get into med school, taking the MCATs. She applied, we were living in Connecticut and she applied to several schools in Connecticut to be a physician assistant, not a doctor. And I'll get back to that in a second. But she applied to UMDNJ, University of Medicine and Dentistry of New Jersey, that had a joint physician assistant program with Seton Hall University. Again, in New Jersey. We were living in Connecticut. I was teaching in Connecticut. And I had to make a choice. Do I deny my wife the dream that she had since she was a kid of going to medical school? of working in a medical practice as a physician assistant at this point? Or do I get, say goodbye to a teaching position I loved? I loved working at the school that I was at, and I loved teaching. Knowing that going back to New Jersey, I would have to be a candidate all over again. I had would have to pursue a job as a teacher. But I made a decision. I loved my wife more. She had sacrificed and done so much for me in the two years we had already been married that I remember telling her, you know, if even I have to work a retail job, we're going to make it work. You're, you're going to finish med school. And I resigned from my teaching position in Connecticut, going to New Jersey with no teaching job at all. And that's, I always say, I, I was very blessed. I think I was, um, God blessed me with the position I had. It, it couldn't be any better. Now, like I said, she, she was going to be a doctor. What she wanted to be was a doctor. So how did she sacrifice for me in this? Well, I asked her, why didn't you pursue becoming a doctor? And she said, you know, there's a lot to becoming a doctor. It takes years. You have med school. You have residency. And she just said, you know, taking becoming a physician assistant, which is just a step below a doctor, there's less training, there's less day-to-day stuff that a doctor has to do. You don't, you know, it's, she felt it was more conducive to raise a family. And that was her goal. So, in a sense, she did sacrifice for me, but she saw the reality of, hey, I'm married now. I made a commitment to this man. We made a commitment to be parents one day. And for me, and for her, I should say, for her personally, she felt pursuing a career as a physician assistant was better for her and her dreams than to pursue being a doctor. And I am so glad that I left my teaching job now because we both sacrificed for each other. I sacrificed my career so she could start hers and she sacrificed being a doctor so for what she believed was better for her marriage and for her family. Now, I can think of probably the most difficult time of our marriage, and that was our inability to have children. I remember one time 
her coming home and running straight up to her bedroom crying in tears because another attempt to have kids had failed. Um, it, you know, you kind of suffer in silence if you, if you haven't had the issue of infertility in your own marriage. Because I don't think, you know, you're young and you're perfect. You know, both of us were professionals. And people don't know quite what to ask. They don't want to upset you by asking, why do you have kids? Because you're trying and you aren't having them. And they don't want to anger you to assume that you want to have kids just because you're married. Some couples decide not to have kids. So it's in this you're in this strange bubble that... People don't quite know it. And the friends your age specifically who are having kids just don't know how to react. You know, I, I always think at church, my wife's friends were all the women who were empty nesters. Because all the women who had kids would gather around together and talk about their kids. And they had that in common. They could have play dates. And there's my wife with all the older women. And she was like in her 20s. And I'm going to be honest with you, that was great. Those women really embraced my wife. I mean, they they were just wonderful people to her. I think they knew. I mean, many of them had kids of their own. And I think they kind of knew, without really saying much, that the reason that my wife was with them was because there wasn't really much connections being made with the women her age because she didn't have a child. And they just welcomed her. And, you know, some of her best friends in the church were the older women. I, I really appreciate that about those women. You know, I remember we invited my friends over for a um, a Christmas party. So I we had a big barn table. It's eight feet long. We lived in an old farmhouse. And I sat on one end of the table. She sat on the other end. And my friends all had little ch young children, and they sat on each side of us. And we're talking, having a great time. The kids were playing in the living room. This is before we had kids. And all of a sudden, the conversation went to kids. And my wife and I were shut out of it. At this point, we, we, know we, were just, we just appreciated that we had friends over our house. I think you have to kind of see what you're still gaining, even though there is a loss or something you feel is missing, a gap. But I just remember us just staring at each other across the table. This eight-foot gap between us, this chasm. And lined up on each side were parents. And we just smiled at each other. I mean, it is, it's, I think we, it's both kind of our makeup, kind of the idea that this is how we work well together. I, I believe we both understood that obviously this is going to be an area of conversation. They all have young children. We don't. And that's okay. I mean, I'm sure there's conversations that are going to break out that won't be dealing with that. But, that, of course, what some people would say is, but that's what's hurting you right now. Now, I remember, you know, then what we pursued adoption. And you know, I did not want to make the go have this go wrong for my wife. I wanted this to work so bad. So it was our first interview. We had to go to the adoption agency, and I got there first. So the adoption counselor's like, let me... Let me um, go over some questions with you and before your wife gets here, and then we'll just I'll ask her the same questions. I'm like, okay. So we're talking and asking her questions. And at this point, my wife had done everything for the adoption. She wanted to be a mom, right? I knew that. I, all I did was whatever she asked me to do. Sign this paper, okay. Go see the doctor, okay. Get pay stuff to work, okay. So now here I'm in this interview, and the woman asks, we're going to go adopt from China. And the woman asks, 
Can I ask you, why did you choose China to adopt from? Now is a question I never asked my wife. She had chose China. Now I'm sitting here going, oh gosh, I'm going to ruin this for her. I, at that moment, that split second, I'm like, oh my gosh, if I tell the truth, we're not. she's going to probably turn down our adoption application. But I can't, I don't think I can play it off. I, I don't even know what to say to her. I mean, all this was going through my mind after that question was asked. Why do you want to adopt from China? I just looked at the adoption counselor and said, I don't know. I don't know why my wife chose China. Don't get me wrong. I really want to have a child. But my wife is real, really spearheading this all together. And she knows why she wants to adopt from China. And I, I trust my wife. And if she has, I know she has a great reason why she chose China over other countries. And when she comes in, she'll tell you that. But I trust her. And that's why, and that's the answer. You know, that was it. So my wife came in and she sat down with the, you know, I'm sitting here next to her in the adoption counselor. And she goes, I asked your husband this question. She had a smile on her face. I asked your husband this question. Why China? Why did you actually, I think she asked this because she asked it like this. Why did you, both of you choose China? And my wife looks at me. She looks at the adoption counselor and says, he didn't choose China. I did. My husband's letting me do the adoption process. And he trusts me. And here is why I chose China over other countries. And she gave her reasons. Like, da 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 you know, bullet points. Boom, 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 boom. And they're all, because my wife's a very smart woman, smarter than me. It was very logically and reasonable. After the question was over, the adoption counselor put down her pencil and just looked at me and said, you may be one of the most honest people I've ever had to interview. She's probably had the husband who had no clue why they're adopting from a certain country or even why they're adopting domestically. And, they've, and she's probably, no, I've heard all the inauthentic, let me just cover myself because my wife's really doing it thing. And I might have been the first person to be quite honest and say, I don't know, but I trust my wife. And I still trust her to this day. And, of course, um, we have become parents, thankfully, through adoption. We have two beautiful daughters. And my wife is a wonderful mom. And I think the world would have missed out. I'm glad that those two girls and the world didn't miss out on a wonderful mom like my wife. You know, filling gaps. That's really, I hope, again, that this is a very different um, podcast than I usually put out. But at the same time, I wanted to honor my wife. She really does fill my gaps. I mean, I always say, I could be sitting down on the couch watching TV just with her, and it's a great day. I hope you have somebody like that in your life. So here's to Alyssa, who God brought into my life to fill my gaps. I only hope I'm filling her gaps as well as she has made my gaps overflowed being filled. Happy 25th anniversary. May God bless us with 25 and even more years together.
Thank you for joining me on the Parent Teacher Conference podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share this podcast with friends. They can be teachers, they can be parents, they can be someone who's just interested in education and parenting. If you have a comment, a question, or an idea for a future topic, please feel free to reach out to me at ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. ptcpodcast411 at gmail.com. Remember, a good teacher cares deeply for their students, but good parents love those students, their children, deeply.